Welcome to the Earth's Edge podcast. I'm your host, James McManus. At Earth's Edge, we run guided expeditions with a focus on environmental and cultural sustainability. We created this podcast to share stories from people who have found the outdoors and fallen in love with adventure. Each month, we're giving away one of our summit jackets worth 150 euro. To be in the running, all you need to do is subscribe to our mailing list at earths-edge.com forward slash podcast. There's a link in the show notes. Now for today's guest. Whatever you're doing your day to day, like you have to somewhat enjoy it. Like it has to be enjoyable. I didn't realize how much I love the outdoors until the training prep for that. So when I was getting out on the hills, that's when I really realized how much I really love the outdoors. So Killy just reinforced that again. That was Kirsty Cully, who climbed Kilimanjaro with us back in 2017. I wanted to share her story as she's a great example of someone who has used mountains to help her find meaning and happiness in her life. We chat about the porters on Kilimanjaro, learning to handstand, coaching, and what is so special about going on adventures. I start out asking her about her childhood and she tells me how she didn't have a clue what to do when she left school. I really hope you guys enjoy this one. I don't think there was many adventures to be honest. I grew up in Drimna when I was 10. My mum and dad moved from Drimna, so they went and moved all the way to Navan. And at the time, Navan was like absolute countryside, so far away from all my friends. So I got to stay in school in Drimna, which meant that I was up at like half five in the morning, going to school, you know, like heading to Dublin for 6 a.m. every morning. Wasn't getting home till about 6 p.m., half six. I wanted to live in Dublin again. So... My parents made a deal with me. They were like, you can move to Dublin. We'll pay for your rent if you go to college, right? So I was just like, right, grand. So I had to just pick a course that I'd deal with, you know. Ended up picking computing in DIT and yeah, got to move to Ballyfermot then. So I was living in Ballyfermot. By December then, like, oh, I just knew I didn't, I didn't like college, you know. And then my dad actually only worked around the corner for me from where I was living in Ballyfermot. So obviously him bringing me to school while we were in Navin. Like he was going to work in Ballyfermot. So we were all traveling to Dublin. So it was grand. But um, mm. I ended up getting a job with him. He had someone leave the office there and he was like, look, I know you're not enjoying college and whatever. Um, would you prefer to work? And I was just like, yeah, absolutely. So went and worked with him, sold floors for four years. Very, very random. And then <laughs> there was the last kind of two years of living there. So I think year, th- or year three of working there was like the recession hit big big recession and my hours got like my days got cut like went from five days of work to three days of work and of course money got tight things like that came out of that slightly but still I was like making no money there like really really no money it was a four I was there about four years then before I went to Australia yeah then towards the end of Australia I was I was coming home I was like right I'm gonna go back to Dublin it's about three weeks three weeks away from actually heading home and a friend of mine from New Zealand rang and was like I think you should come over here for a year. It's great crack. Like, you'd love it. So I was just like, sounds good. I'll apply for the visa, see what happens. And with that, then I just rang everyone at home. I was like, I'm not coming home. Going to New Zealand now for a year. So booked a flight, went to New Zealand three weeks later. And then was in New Zealand for a year. <laughs> New Zealand is like a mecca for adventure sport. You know, I, I think a great description of it is like Ireland on steroids. Like, it's kind of similar in size and population, but just the mountains and everything is just bigger. You know, it's just so amazing with the Alps down there and everything. It's a Kraken's place. Like, I love it so much. Oh, it's just beautiful. So we did the bus trips and yeah, did, just did all the crazy shit over there. Like, 
you know, like we were on the bus and every day you'd be in somewhere different. I'd be like, do you want to go climb a glacier? Like, do you want to go hike a glacier? Do you want to go jump out of a plane? Do you want to go bungee jumping? We did like caving, like just all the mad stuff that you never really get to do. We got to do, got to do it in the three weeks and two stints. So like three weeks in April, three weeks in June, absolutely loved it. So then I came home after the year was up. Now I had met someone towards the end of that stint in New Zealand then decided I was going to try and get back. So I had heard about this other visa you could get through a place called Bunak and ended up getting a visa and going back over. So I was back over in New Zealand the following March and I stayed over there for two years, went on my first proper hike during those two years, which was, and I, I laugh about it now when I when I actually think about it, right? We went to this, don't know if you're familiar with the Tongariro crossing over there? I've Yeah, I don't think I've done it, but I've heard of it for sure. Yeah, it's like a three-day hike, yeah? It's actually not. You could do it. You could do the, the like, I think it's about 24 kilometers, if memory serves me okay. right. It's all sorts of like terrain. You get up there, like we went on a, the, one of the hottest days, 25 degrees, got absolutely scalded. But like when you're up there, there's snow capped mountains, there's volcanic craters. Like you've literally got every single, like all these different terrains in 24K. So like you could do it in a day. Well, the ridge we yeah. did anyway, we did in a day. But, um, Oh, I'm not even kidding you, Jam. We went down with no hiking gear. Like, we didn't see it as a hike. It was like, oh, it's going to be a long walk, right? Like, runners, the lot. It was, it, oh, it's just funny when I think about it. And then we stopped at this little rental shop on the way in because there was signs for rental gear. We were like, maybe we should just, you know, just just inquire. Like, we might need some gear here. Like, no hiking boots, no nothing, just runners. Yeah, and, no sunscreen, getting burnt. Oh, it was it was just madness. So this the, the lady in the outdoor shop obviously was just like, look, at the very least, you're going to need to take a pair of boots with you and a rain jacket. So she rented us the, the boots and the rain jacket. And sure, when we got up there, we couldn't believe that they were going to let us on with runners. Like, there was there's just no, you know, there's no one there, like, to stop you or to advise you or anything. Did the Tongariro across. I absolutely loved this. So that was the very first hike I, I'd been on. And then probably, like, started to get the bug there as well. So anyway, long story short, uh, coming towards the end of my stint in New Zealand at that stage, I had kind of, just wasn't happy, like really wasn't happy. The job I was in, worked with great people, but I was in recruitment and the sales element, hated it. Like just, yeah. it took me a while to figure out how much I really disliked it. By the end of that two years, well, all of my friends I had, most of them had gone back to Ireland. Then the relationship itse- itself like fell apart. So I made a decision, like it was it was a bit of a, a sudden thing with the relationship really. And I think we broke up on the Monday or the Tuesday and I literally had my flight booked out there for Sunday. It was wow. I was it was a quick cut, like I just had to get the hell out of there. So so I left New Zealand, came home and of course was heartbroken and sad and didn't know like literally my life had changed in the space of eight days, you know, like eight days previous I had been living in New Zealand for the long term, you know, in a relationship, in a, a well paid job, and all of a sudden I was back at home with mom and dad in Ireland, not yeah. knowing what I was doing with life. Got home, was upside down, got working straight away, and then I had looked at Kilimanjaro, right? So while I was over in New Zealand after the Tongariro crossing, I think I don't know how it came up. I I had been looking at a trip, like I was like, oh, Kilimanjaro sounds interesting, you know. And when I was Googling it at the time, it was like all these separate things. So the way you guys do it all in one package, it, it absolutely couldn't. I never found out like that, right? So it was kind of like when I was Googling it, it was like, oh, you need to hire porters and you need to like hire oxygen tanks and all these big things. I was like, Jesus, that's a big deal. And like from New Zealand as well, the flight, I think when I was like looking at it, I was probably racking up in my head about six seven thousand new New Zealand dollars to do this right so that was back that was back when I was in New Zealand anyway so that was that was a fleeting thought at the moment right so I was I came home here in November 2016 and I was on Facebook and next of all the little advert for like we have a free info talk on Kilimanjaro so it was Earth Edge had come up 
and it was you doing the info talk in um, in Great Outdoors. It was like the following Tuesday night. So I was like, Jesus, that'd be interesting. Now, so of course, went onto the website, had a look around, was like, hmm, this sounds sounds good. So booked it. I was like, gosh, look, I'll go to the info talk. What's the worst that can happen, right? So listen to me for 45 minutes because that's yeah. pretty bad. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I went out on the Tuesday and I told people this. Obviously, I was like, I'm going to go to this info talk. And they were like, what? Because they never knew why I'd gone hiking. Like I wasn't, like as much as I loved doing the stuff in New Zealand, it was like, it looked like I was just doing the traveling piece. Like, I didn't even realize how much I loved the outdoors at this point. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, yeah. when I said I was, I'm thinking about going to Kilimanjaro, they were all just like, you were off your head. So <laughs> went to the info talk and I swear to God, I think I was only halfway into listening to the jam and I was like, could literally physically feel the excitement. I was like, I like if I had the money there, I would have thrown it at you. Like I literally would have thrown it from the end of. Jeez, you're making me sound like a cheap stripper, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I was so excited then coming home, right? So I came home to my mom and dad and of course they were like, how did you go on? And I was just like, could not stop talking. Like I was just like, da, 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 da. so anyway, I was like, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. And I think it was, it was about three and a half K at the time or something, four grand, maybe it's something like that. So anyway, like yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't got any of that money. Like I'd literally spent every penny I had trying to get home, paying for my flight from New Zealand and trying to sort out rent and deposits and all that crap. So I literally had no money. Like, so I was just like, you know what? I don't care. I had like a credit card, you know, for traveling in case you need to book any expensive flights around and pay them off. So sure, yeah. look, we'll throw it on the credit card, you know? So it was 400 euro deposit. And I said it to my mom and dad, it was like 400 quid to put the deposit down. So my mom and dad switched roles in this scenario. I was like, normally the two of them be very opposite. But when I went in, I was like, I'm going to book it. Like, that's it. Like, I'm so excited. I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. And my mom was like, do you know what? Do it. Like you deserve it, do it for yourself. If you really feel that passionate about it, do it, right? Then my dad was like, just sleep on it. Like people don't always survive that mountain. He's like, I don't think you understand how big this hike is, right? Because I hadn't been hiking, like I hadn't been hiking a home or anything. So they were just like, you were mad, like going from zero to 10. So my dad yeah. was like, look, it's going to be there in the morning. Please just just sleep on it and book it tomorrow. So um. I was just like, against my better judgment, I was like, sure, look, it'll be there tomorrow, I'll book it tomorrow. So I'm pretty sure I booked it within a day or two, like just sorted the credit card situation and booked it. And then, um, so yeah, I that was that was February, I think I booked it in and would have been going that September. I booked oh. it for. So I think everyone thought I was having a midlife crisis at the age of 26. Um, I'd obviously just come <laughs> home, I was all over the shop and people were like, you're mad, you're mad. But I was like, I, was like I, I just have to do it. Like, I have to do something. I need to keep my focus on something. So I literally went onto Facebook and I joined like the Hill Walking Club, went out with them uh, once or twice, like joined these, found these random kind of outdoorsy people who are doing Facebook groups and taking people out to Glendalock. And, you know, like, so I, one day a weekend, most weekends on the, on the way, on leading up to September, like we were just, I was just going out onto the hills with, with people. Did you go on the training weekend? Yeah, the one that we put on. I did. Yes. I think, like, but from what you're saying, it sounded like your kitty trip came at a really good time for you. It's such a great thing to get away on an expedition and just get the headspace. So, talk to me about Kilimanjaro. How was that? It just dulls the noise. Like everything that you think you should be doing, or you have to be doing, or just it put, it strips you of everything. Like it really does. It strips you of everything that's around you, and actually gives you the time and space I think to figure out who you are you know like you've got so much of this time to yourself and also you're with a team of people and listening to other people's stories as to what brought them to the mountain is always fascinating as well like stories you never thought you'd ever ever hear and I think you just 
like I said, everything's stripped back. Everybody is stripped back. And as you're walking and talking, there's things coming out that you probably would have never told anybody. And you're talking mm. to a complete stranger about your deepest, darkest fears. But when you're just out walking, they don't seem like deep and dark, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Like you're able to talk about your story. Like you're able to just talk from the heart way more when you're out and about. Like I remember taking a couple of people out to the Spink one day and two people from Dublin who had never been out to Glendalough, right? I was like, how have you never been out here? And yeah. the things they told me, like the two of them didn't know each other. They were two separate friends. I was like, I'm going out to Glendalough if anyone wants to come. These two people were like, oh, I'd love to go. So, and the stuff they spoke about, like, and I mean, talk about like suicide, like, you know, really, really deep things that, you know, some people would never get to share. And it's not like you're going to fix the problem on the mountain, but it just gives you the space and time to just talk about it. And then by the end of the hike, you can forget about it, you know, or you can yeah. go do something about it afterwards. Like, but it's just, I think it just really takes people out of the shite around you, basically, you know, like, and it, it takes away yeah. the judgment. It takes away what, what will somebody think? It takes away all those outside things and people just feel free. Like, I think free mentally, physically, Killy was just one of those. Like, it was tough, right? It was a tough, tough hike. Hey, I was going to ask you, like, what do you think that is, like, about um, a big hike? Is it, like, nature? Is it the fact that you're, like, you know, on Kilimanjaro, you've you've got a lot of people who are, you've got a shared goal, you know, you're trying to get to the highest mountain in Africa. I think that's a big thing. And then also, like, the fact that you're having conversations with, with people and they don't have their phone, they're not distracted, they're just giving you their entire intention, and, and you are as well when you're listening to them. I think... It's just a, such a special environment to, to to have those conversations and really kind of learn about yourself, isn't it? It's amazing. The people we met in Kilimanjaro, like from day one, day one, in the first 24 hours, we were best buddies in the best sense, let's say. Like, but yeah, you are like, I mean, you know, you're all living on top of each other. People are, you know, some people don't, you know, end up getting sick. They're not well. And it's just, it's so supportive, you know, like you're not afraid to say you're not well or you're not afraid to you know, just like that, just say how you feel, you know, like as in the porters over there, my God, like, I think they were, it was my perspective on life. They changed it. Like, I think the biggest, biggest part was like the, the guy is there. Like we probably, I'm not, I'm not going to say all of us. Right. So some people would moan about getting up at nine o'clock or getting up, you know, the alarm goes off like, oh, Jay's not in the mood for work, you know, and mm. you're walking into a job where you're getting very well paid, you know, for I know a lot of people do a lot of work, right? But just sitting down, you're kind of you're in your comfort zone, especially in offices now. Your ergonomic, everything they look after, your health, your safety. Like you've got everything looked after. These guys get up and climb Kilimanjaro every morning as their job, right? And they lift all of the heavy bags, right? They lift your big bags. They carry all the equipment, the tent, everything, right, to make it comfortable for you. They cook unbelievable food, and they have a smile on their face from the time you see them first thing in the morning to the time to go to bed. And all you can think about, like all I thought about my personal experience anyway, was like, I had a decent job, right? When I went over there, like probably making, they're probably making a fraction of the money I was making, you know, like, and mm. the work they were doing every single day. And yet they were just happy, happy, happy. And it was, it was contagious, you know, like the lads getting up dancing and singing in the morning, just, I don't know, like that just completely changed everything. I'm like, how it, it is, it really is. And, and we've all heard this a million times. It is the simple things. Like 
like when someone hasn't been to Killy, their main focus is on like climbing the mountain and maybe going on safari and stuff like that. But it's interesting when you tell them like really the highlight is the porters because they're just amazing people. Like just to connect with them, the dancing they do each morning and learning about their culture is just phenomenal. So it's only when people come back, they're like, oh yeah, I get it. Like these guys are just amazing, you know? Come here. So you're you're talking a lot now um, about the chat with the porters and also the, the the connections you get with other people on the trip. Like, let's get a bit of balance in here. Like, talk to me about summer day. How how tough is that? You know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows on Kitty. Like, give the listeners a fair a fair assessment of that one. No, look, it is tough. Like, it's not easy. Um, in terms of like, even I remember you talking to us in the info talk about like how slow you're actually walking at, at times. You're walking terribly slow, but you're terribly tired. And it's like you could easily even fall into the the thing of going, oh, God, like, why am I so tired and start to panic? Do you know, like, but again, it's just the, the talk and the chat and getting to know people, I think, just makes it easier. The summit, the summit night um, was very tough. We actually we were given the option to put earphones in. I don't know whether everyone does that on every trip, right? So, you know, mm. we were given the option to throw some earphones in if we wanted to just listen to music and just get the steps, right? So just watch your be going forward, throw in some music and just keep on going. Because it's like, you know, you're climbing that summit if you start at like 1am at night time and it's pitch black. You can't see that, but you can see this big trail of light. So you can see all the people going up. But I remember as we're going up at the start, like you're, you're qu- very quickly seeing people being brought back off. So there's people getting very sick on the side of the trail. There's porters running people back down, obviously, you know, who are suffering from altitude sickness. So it's all, it's quite alarming at the start now. Louise was their guide at the time and she was epic. Yeah, Louise's a hero, you know? Yeah, she really, really is, really is. And now she well prepared us, like she said, look, don't focus on what's going on outside, just focus on the two feet in front of you and just keep on going, right? So that was what we did and that's why it's a bit of a blur. I remember listening to my music and literally just keep on walking. Now, I had overlayered myself, right? I'm sure you know good luck. Most people yeah, who yeah. Kilimanjaro know good luck. He was a little bit of a saviour. So, it, you know, I just kept walking and he kind of pulled me then like I noticed that I was getting a bit warm, but of course you just want to keep going. You know, you don't want to stop. You don't want to stop the whole through. We were coming up to Stella Point and the, the the sunrise was just about to start. So we were, that's where we all kind of, you know, they kind of just stop and you just wait a few minutes and you can just start to see the light peel up from behind, like from far away. But is that Mount Kenya in the background? I can't remember. It's like a... Oh, that's Mount Miru, yeah. So just like that, you just start to see the sun and like that, everyone just stopped obviously took out the earphones we all got a bit of water a bit of food and we just stood there and watched that sunrise and it was just like the injection of life that you needed to get to the top because you know when you get to Stella Point you see the sign and everyone's a little like we're almost there and it's like no no we're not we still have another <laughs> 40 minutes to an hour to go it's like oh god uh, so close but yes so yeah, sometimes far. walking in the dark before sunrise is nice because you don't know how far you have to go like ignorance <laughs> is bliss you know <laughs> it is yeah what kind of impact did it have you when you got back or did you make any big changes on the, on the back of Killy or yeah, what was the impact of the trip on you? So yeah, I think after that entire experience, I kind of just, what I learned from the porters is that like, you just have to keep it simple. Like you just have to do stuff and it's not even like the cliche stuff of, you know, do what you love. Like, but it's actually just whatever you're doing your day to day, like you have to somewhat enjoy it. Like it has to be enjoyable. I didn't realize how much I loved the outdoors until the training prep for that. So when I was getting out on the hills, that's when I really realized how much I really love the outdoors. So Killy just reinforced that again. Um, when I got back then, I started to think about all these things, about what I want to do. And like, do I want to be in an office? No, I don't. Absolutely not. Like, that was a, a clear no. Like, I just started to sit with things, started 
to see what I enjoyed doing, start to try different things and just let go of the structure. Like I had to let go of like the thoughts of like having to find someone to be in a relationship and having to get like a really secure job and having to get, you know, all these things that we just think we mm. need. So I had to come out of that. I had to pull myself out of that a little bit. Booked Machu Picchu for the following year. Got ready to go on that trip. And I was I was working in an office at the time, right? So it was grand because like that the, the job itself paid for paid for the trips. But I was really, really struggling. Like, and I think when I came back from Kilimanjaro, the, the work life just got harder. Like as in, just because I think I got a glimpse of something else, you know, like as mm. in, it just really reinforced the fact that I didn't want to be doing this. So anyway, long story short, yet again, I went to Peru with you guys then in October. Now, me and me and a friend of mine actually did. So we we did the other Earth Edge option and we met you guys there. So we were doing our own traveling trip around Peru. And we were doing Machu Picchu with you guys in the middle. Oh, cool. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so we had Mary that time, another absolute legend, did Peru. Um, that was contrast to Killy in terms of like, it was tough. Yes, like still similar, but it was a lot more kind of, I'd say laid back. Like where Killy is, you're just on the mountain. It is very kind of, it's a very intrinsic experience, I think, because you've got like, you don't have much of the trappings around you. Whereas on, in Peru, when we were going through Machu Picchu, at certain points, there's like all these little huts where you could literally like buy food and drink. And like at, at one point, like we were stopping at a little, like like a little cocktail tiki bar. And but I, I think if you laugh about that now, I think that we got diverted off the normal route because there was some sort of a landslide or okay, yeah. a possibility yeah, of a landslide. Sense. So we couldn't go down the normal route. So we took a different route. And on this route, then there was all these little huts all the way. Like, so we had like passion fruit popsicles and stuff. So different experience on Peru as well. Again, we got very lucky with the, the weather at the very top. So we got up to Salcante, which was absolutely stunning. And oh my God, it rained. Like, did it rain? Like literally none of our rain gear survived. We were buying ponchos on the way down to try and save our rain gear because it was just torrential. Poncho is your only man, really. Like when it starts raining properly, like monsoon rain, like you can have the best of uh, Gore-Tex or whatever. But like you know, you just need a huge sheet of plastic over you is the only job. Yeah. You know, everything else will fail. You know, ah, it's such a special place. In twenty nineteen, so you went to twenty eighteen. In twenty nineteen, we changed our our Peru itinerary because, like, I don't, I wouldn't say I enjoy watching people suffer, but like I like running expeditions where there's a real physical element to it. <laughs> So our Peru trip was like amazing as you've done, but it's not quite hard enough for me. So we've we've changed it around now. We go to um, it's a 16 day trip with 10 days of hiking and there's four really, really tough trips or days. Sorry, where you gain over a thousand meters a day in elevation. But we still have that day that you talk about, which is, to be honest, um, like it meets the end of the trek you did. And it's like my favorite day of trekking anywhere in the world it's when you basically walk down through this really thick jungle with loads of flora and fauna you're kind of right beside this roaring river and like you pass all these little huts and they're selling uh, little kind of yeah. hamlets small little villages and they're selling avocado and passion fruit and then we go to um the coffee plantation and we get a coffee tour we have that pachamanca dinner you know where they bury the food in, in the ground and it's slow cooked that was absolutely fantastic as well like the coffee plantation as well like there was so many in that so much in that trip that ah uh, and i know you have it in the itinerary but that's i feel like on both trips as well as much as i have the detail in the itinerary you, there's just so much more little extra details that that's not quite like you're just like oh and this oh like and yeah. more you know like as in you kind of just give the blunt detail but there's so much in that 
So funny when I was there like two years, geez, two years ago now, 2020 is the last year, but um, we have the coffee plantation and everybody gets like, you know, we, we roast coffee and then we have a cup of coffee and like on the trek for the last eight days, people have been just having like, you know, powder coffee and then they have this stuff and it's like rocket fuel, you know, it's like they're all after having about six or eight pints, like and they're all buzzing. And then we head down and finish off the day at the hot springs. It's just incredible. Like, oh, and the springs, obviously, yeah. Yeah, they're so good. And every, like all the higher elevation, like we've done most of the climbing on the trip, so people can have a few beers. It's not an issue. And yeah, it's a cracking day on that trip for sure. I really love it. Yeah, epic. Come here, tell me about like what you do changed and how you transitioned into what you're doing now. Talk to me about that. I got bored with training in the gym. I got bored with lifting weights. Like I was good at lifting weights, but I'd get to a certain weight and I couldn't go past it or I'd end up with a, a a dodgy knee or a dodgy hip or something you know like I'd end up with a small injury and I, I was getting annoyed and then couldn't train and da 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 so I got into yoga I went to a yoga class and that humbled me because I couldn't touch my toes I was like all these years of training I was so disappointed I was like I thought I was doing something good for my body and I couldn't I couldn't even touch my toes I couldn't bend over I couldn't like the way the certain certain basic stuff that it looked basic in yoga like I couldn't do it there and I was like someone who was training for years I just it was just a a sore realization, like very, very sore. So I was like, you know what? I, I need different types of training like this. Obviously, the weightlifting has put me in worse position than than what I'm intending it to. So did yoga and then we were doing headstands and then I got onto the factor of handstands. And if you knew me before, like I have never done anything gymnastic or anything like that. Right. So no coordination. And I was like, do you know what? That'd be a fun thing to try is handstands. And a friend of mine said to me, do you know that there's a place on a Saturday morning that does handstands and coffee, right? So I was like, mm. I didn't. So he put me onto this place. And at the time as well, my friend that I was traveling to Peru with, I didn't drink coffee. And he was like, I'm going to get you drinking coffee because there's no way we're going to Peru and you're not drinking coffee. Like we're going to a coffee plantation. You're not pouring your nose up at Peruvian coffee. So, uh, so anyway, tied in with both. So I started going to handstands on a Saturday in the movement studio. And that also changed my life. So that was. I'd say yourselves, Earth's Edge and the Movement Studio are the two big things that kind of really helped me find who I really am and what I like and what I really do enjoy. So I started on handstands and started training at the studio. I was there five, six days a week if I could get away with it. And yeah, so then that was, I started that in June. Peru was in October and November. I started my PT qualification while I was working. So I qualified the following March. So that would have been 19 then decided to leave my job I decided I was going to do PT full-time so that was a it's like a, it's like a big jump right but people people think you're like oh Jesus you're mental and I don't like I would have seen it as more of an exciting jump because I could see the potential I couldn't see what yeah. I was all I knew I was leaving something that I didn't quite enjoy to do something I loved you know so then I started working at the studio for Andy oh I decided to go to Bali because you know the way we all see everyone on Instagram with coconuts and laptops you know living the, the online dream in Bali so I was like Fuck it, I'll give that a go so I left mm. my job and I went to Bali and I didn't enjoy it like just straight up didn't enjoy it like beach is lovely coconut's lovely you know heat nice but my people weren't there Do you know like I missed my friends I missed the people it was very different to being away in New Zealand or Australia I came home and when I came home I literally came home as Andy, the owner of the studio, was uh, him and his partner were having their second baby and he had to take some time off. So I literally scooped right in there and <laughs> started coaching and got myself a job as soon as I came back. 
Perfect timing, yeah. Like, I mean, I trained in the music movement studio in 2019 as well, probably the same time you were starting to coach there. Yeah. Yeah, just great people. But like, when you're in Bali, like, you're supposed to be living the dream again. Like, what what was it that you didn't like it? Like, give us the, the, the Bali Uncover story. Like, what was the deal out there? What was it actually like? So it was beautiful. Place is lovely, right? The, the beach is like, again, beaches, coconuts, you know, filled. It's all gorgeous. And it's quite cheap to stay out there. It's a stark reality as well. There's people on their laptops and poor people. Like, like there is a lot of really, really poor people. And you're, you're, it's, it's, it, I found it just very difficult to watch. Like, you know, these people and fair play to them. Like, you know, they're, they're running businesses from, from a laptop in Bali. Like, but I just, I wasn't okay with the fact of sitting there with a laptop and the person that was serving me just being so poor as well. You know, like it, it, it's really, I, I, I don't know whether that's just my perspective or what I picked up on it. It was just a very big contrast of like rich people living in an area where there's quite a lot of poor people, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean, because I, I actually like I went to Africa the first time in 1990, working out there and leading trips and work, uh, going on kayak expeditions like way back when I was like 18, 19. I went to South Africa for the first time. I was there for a wedding, okay, and we were staying outside Cape Town. We were staying on the like around Falls Falls Bay. It's this huge, huge bay where the where the sharks breach and eat the seals. I'm sure you've seen that in National Geographic. But basically there's a huge, huge, massive shanty town. Up behind that on the hill, you've got these gated communities with super nice plush houses and uh pools and security guards. And that's where I was staying. And I found the poverty really difficult that I was um, in such a plush place and there was people just down the road, like living in poverty. And I found it really interesting that basically my conclusion for that was when I was in East Africa, let's say like Uganda or Tanzania or Kenya, li- living out of a bag and in a tent, it doesn't bother me so much. But when I'm living in like four or five star, really nice accommodation, it does bother me. So I know exactly what you're talking about. But I actually think it kind of, in some ways, reflects poorly on us because what it says about me is is that I, when I can't see poverty from where I'm living in Ireland, it doesn't bother me. But when I'm confronted with it, it does. It's kind of weird. Like, I don't think it's the the best reflection on our mentality. But um, I definitely know what you're talking about anyway. I've, I've had that emotion for sure. Yeah, it was just very difficult. And I think... It was, again, it was one of those things where I kind of really found that one of my values are, are the people around me. Like that, that community that's in the studio is, it pulled me out of a hole just like Kilimanjaro did a little bit. Like it, it really kind of like shone a light on stuff that I, I didn't see in front of me in terms of like people being very important to me because I, I don't know when I, I used to travel so much, like I, not that I didn't miss people, but you know, I was happy to go traveling and be like, bye, I'll see you when I'm back type thing didn't really focus on the fact that I missed anybody but I Jesus I missed that crew so much when I left for Bali like I missed them terrible it really showed me that I do need a community around me like I I had I think I'd just grown in that last year to start to really find what really kind of floats my boat and I was like I'm in the perfect scenery here like I've got I live even the villa like was really really cheap but really beautiful like it just everything was like again tick box it's like tick box tick box looks good yeah. on paper and I was just so not happy I just wasn't happy and I just couldn't yeah. wait to get home could not wait to get back and of course again timing was perfect because Andy needed the help in the studio at the time and I just kind of I was like I'm here I'm free I've got nothing to do let me help you so from what you're saying there about the different like jobs you gave up and changed your career and like you know handstands and Killy, like 
did you learn that not to self doubt, like have self doubts, or is is that something you always had, or like you seem to be able to kind of push past stuff and go for something once you get it in your sights? Is that something you had to learn, or were you always like that? No, I think I was very good at like just going ah feck it, just go. You know, like Australia was very like that. Ah, oh, I just sold the car and went and see what happens type thing. I'm very much open. Like I love the idea of not knowing what's going to happen. Like. I've said this like even to my partner like I struggle with a big picture view or like what what will you be doing in a year I have no idea because I've made so many decisions in mm. between that things could change so I'm very very open to change and exploring new things yeah there was like when I look back the whole scenario I think between the age of 60 and moving out and between the time I came back from New Zealand like I look back and I'd say they were dark times like as in I'm not going to be melodramatic here there was like there was great times obviously but like in terms of me and my self-worth and what I wanted and who I was like I didn't have a clue like didn't have a clue and I'll probably say that again in another 10 years and I look back now but I really didn't know like I was just like that in the job and I'm drinking and just not happy with things but still just continued on so it's 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 funny in, in parts of life I let I let things go you know it's like when you instead of making life happen for you, you it happens to you type thing it's like okay. where you just let the you know you take the hand off the wheel and, and you end up somewhere where you you didn't think you go and it's only when you've gotten too far you're like oh no there's a saying of like life throws you golf balls and if you don't listen to the golf balls you'll get a bowling ball you know like you'll get little <laughs> warnings little warnings you don't listen to those little warnings it's going to turn into a big problem same thing with the body you know like as in yeah. you have a little injury little injury little, you don't look after them it's going to turn into a big problem. So mm. it's that kind of analogy. And it's like, it's those times like in New Zealand that really came to a head for me. And like that, I had to make a big transition and again, learn and and, and again, feed into myself a little bit, find out what I, what I really needed. And then probably towards the end of my time coming with the job, with the, the office job, I probably checked out mentally <laughs> before I'd actually left. But like, again, that was a big struggle in terms of, there was a lot going on at that time, having to complete my PT exams and I was also working full time and then I was also in another gym just trying to, you know, rack up hours and trying to learn how to teach classes and things like that. So it was, it was full on and then that came to a head again. And then Bali was a very short period, to be fair. But that was a big light bulb moment. So now I think I'm I'm, I'm not going to say I know it all, but like I've got a fairly good idea. I think COVID has obviously affected things as well. Like it's, in, like it's been very difficult to try and figure out what you need to do when all the stuff has been taken away. Like I felt... I'm doing life coaching at the minute. So I've had a few coaching sessions and I've been coached and I, again, still learning stuff, you know, like, like I had to sit in a coaching session, got really emotional because they were like, what's going on? And I was like, well, all my favorite things have been taken away from me. My, the outdoors, I can't even get past 5k, you know, like my social, I love being around people and that's like, and it was a really emotional like session, that session, I, I bawled my eyes out and it was just like having to realize all these things have been taken away what do you do now and now I had then I had to pivot again because I'm like I found all these things over the last three years that really feed my soul like and yeah big time oh I know it so well yeah yes so this lockdown now the third lockdown I said to you yesterday on the phone like it's in start bit I was a little bit like oh no like very emotional again and it was around the time I had that same coaching session so that poor person had to just listen to me cry but yeah now I'm in a good place like I think because this lockdown has lasted a little bit longer like that, I've been given time to figure out what I can do, you know. Mm. So it was the initial like, oh, no, everything's gone again and devastation. And then it's like, right, well, what can we do? Like, how can we get the same feelings? You know, those those fulfilling things like what what feelings do they give you? How do you get them? And can you get them in the same sense, just doing something slightly different, you know, like and it's not going to be forever either. You know, this thing is temporary. I think you just have to keep in mind ourselves. I know it feels like it's gone on forever, but <laughs> 
Uh, we'll get there. Every day that goes past, we're getting closer to the end, you know. As you said, you were ch- we were chatting yesterday about life coaching and you're 31. Like, you know, like a lot of people, life coaching is a bit of a dirty word, but like, like, are you trying to instill in people like to, to try and make some of those decisions that you did in trying to understand what makes you happy or like just give me an overview of what life coaching is about because i i for, for i'll put my hand up and say like i will be one of those people that that sometimes have had an eye roll to something like that you know oh i t- totally i'm still with you i'm studying and i still eye roll i like i'm trying to think of how how i'm going to do life coaching and not call it life coaching you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> um the struggle is real but yeah no look i guess my idea of life coaching before I got into it was like Jesus it's one of these woo woo things where you sit and you talk about your feelings and it's like a lifestyle of therapy or something don't know what I really thought about it and again another friend of mine had done it and was like I think you'd love it and I was like you know what even if I got personal development out of this I'd be happy with it so I absolutely love what it does in terms of like I've done I've now done like 19 pro bono sessions right so this is all part of my qualification I have just do an hour session with people and it's free because we're not qualified and we get to kind of you know it's our training effectively I think it's the same as when you're on the mountain. You know, when people say things out loud, and I don't know if you've had personal experience of this or, or experienced it with someone else, but you know, like that that freedom to speak and there's no judgment on what you're saying. You know, nobody cares. And all of a sudden you don't even care. Like as in, it's just a space where you can say exactly, like things come out even and you don't even realise, you know, it's not like you've control, like you've, you've meant for them to come out. Things just come out. And when yeah. you say them out loud, they're very different to when they're running around your head. So when you speak these things out loud, like it, there's a lot of realizations and with life coaching as well, it's about empowering the other person. So you're never like, as a coach, I'd never give anyone the answer because you're taking that away from them. You're taking their ability away from them. So you help them come up with their ideas, their plans, their goals, the way they're going to do it. You just enable them to, you know, to actually explore further. And it's like thinking outside your current box. You know, everyone okay. has, a, has a way they think. They're in a mindset at the moment. You know, we've all been conditioned a certain way and conditioned ourselves a certain way. And it's it's good to just be able to explore outside that box. Is there more options? Is there something else? That's amazing. It's such a nice gift to be able to help people with to try and get like fulfillment and happiness or it's yeah we'll take it it's funny like how organic the impact of getting out in nature and being on an expedition has it's it's absolutely mad isn't it it's just coming up like kind of interviewed so many people now in the podcast just chatting to people over the years it's just coming up over and over again it's just that headspace it's amazing if you just don't get it anywhere else unless you take it for yourself and most people don't take it for themselves that's it most people don't give themselves an hour of the day to shut off from everything and everyone around them and some people can't because you know families yeah. and demands and things like that like and I think the mountains just force you. That's it. There's no, you have no, there is no option. Like, yeah, I know it's special, isn't it? Needed. So tell me this, what big trips do you want to do coming up in the next couple of years? Like in general, I'm at the moment, again, just like looking forward to, to finishing the course that I'm doing and making something of it, like really, really helping people change. I have Kenya booked with you guys for October. Nice. I can't wait. Oh, oh it's such like, a cool trip saying to you yesterday like it's going to be the one I think the one thing every single person needs once this lockdown comes down comes out like as in just like a good solid time away with good people it's nice to have something to look forward to isn't it the other thing I want to ask you before I let you go what would your top tips be for someone like thinking of doing Kilimanjaro and like they're struggling to pull the trigger on it like what would you say to them like all I can say is go for it it won't do any harm and it'll only do some amazing good. You'll only get some amazing experiences out of it. Like, and even the fear might be, oh, what if I get sick? Or what if I can't get to the top? 
do you know what? It doesn't even matter. Like when you get onto the mountain, you come off the mountain, whatever way that may be, like it's so worth it. Like the people you meet, the place itself is actually lovely. It's like you said, like when you go to Arusha and you're kind of living out of a bag and stuff like that, like it's just, you know, when you go on holidays and stuff like that, it is a breakaway from your life, but you're going into different types of trapping. So you're leaving a trapping for another trapping. Whereas I feel when you go on a trip with you guys, you're leaving everything, like everything is gone. And I've done these by myself. So I did Kili by myself, as in I didn't I didn't bring a friend or and it was just even more amazing because, yeah, you know, you, you, you just have the time to, to do whatever you want. You don't have to count on a friend, let's say, or, you know, unless that's your thing. But you've got all these strangers, but they become best friends Like by the end of the trip. Like I said, I've got, I still got two extremely close friends out of that trip still, and I'd still be able to text the others, you know, like so. And that's from Killy, that was that's awesome. four, four, three, three and a half years on now. So yeah. just do it. That's, that's it. Just do it. Awesome, dude. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Delighted. Pleasure, dude. All right. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye bye. This podcast was produced by Earth's Edge. We're a small business based in Ireland who organize big adventures all over the world. For more information about us and the trips discussed on this podcast, visit earths-edge.com or follow us on Instagram. Don't forget to sign up to our mailing list to be in the running to win one of our summit jackets. There's a link in the show notes. And while you're there, if you could subscribe and review the podcast, that'd be brilliant. I'm your host, James McManus. Thanks for listening and have a super week.